the first test I didn't go blind did you hear something no hmm. did I I don't know Yes, it's Simpsons time. <sighs> Mr. Kukulamanza. Um, season three. Much is made of season three. It's, um, according to some, the most beautifully drawn of all the seasons. Uh... It was the last full season to use uh, the Klasky Chupo studio, and by that time, um, even though they were super overworked there, and that's why the decision was made to switch to film Roman, um, they were practiced at drawing uh, Simpsons episodes by that time, and it was just... They were lovely. All of them looked really cool. Uh, in season three, and season three also had a really nice balance um, of crazy, uh, no-holds-barred madcap shows and quieter shows that revolved around the dog or something like that. I'm going to talk about one of the former today. A stone-cold classic, uh, Flaming Moe's. This is... Episode number 45, written by Robert Cohen, um, whose brother Joel H. Cohen also writes for The Simpsons and continues to. And um, this writer used to be like a PA or an intern at Tracy Ullman and worked his way up to being a writer at The Simpsons. I have heard it said that um, I mean, of course, very few Simpsons episodes are uh, scripted by just one person because there's the writer's room and everything. But this one in particular was a very uh, successful collaborative effort between the writers uh, that they had at the time and all the different animators and everyone wanted a piece of it because it was going to be so exciting. Aerosmith were going to do the show, which was not at that time, a very common thing, you know, for rock stars to guest star on TV shows. That was, you know, like since Davy Jones was on the Brady Bunch, it didn't really happen. Um, and so it was a big deal. And it all came together beautifully. The Cheers parody uh, was in large part the work of Sam Simon, who had worked on Cheers. Um, 
And I just learned yesterday that Sam Simon was responsible for the whole creation of the character Hugh Jass, who I think is probably my favorite part of the whole episode. Um, for the uninitiated, of course, during the height of the popularity of Moe's Bar, Bart makes his customary prank phone call and asks for a man named Hugh Jass. And since the bar is so crowded and teeming with, you know, happy revelers, there actually is a person named Hugh Jass there. And he looks and sounds exactly like a man with that name uh, you would imagine to sound. Uh, he's straight-laced and wearing glasses, and he has just a very pleasant conversation with Bart um, instead of the bar being victimized, which is just wonderful. It's like very much in the spirit of Moe's being successful now. Like even Bart with his crank calls can't uh, vanquish the mood. It's so, 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 so good. David Silverman, uh, the supervising director, animated a lot, or not a lot of it, but a few key moments. Um, there's a bedroom scene with Homer talking about living in a fairyland with a gumdrop house on Lollipop Lane. Uh, and Marge can be seen in the mirror while he's doing that. And um, that is uh, a David Silverman staging that whole thing where he's making those like crazy arm movements and dancing around using the fairy voice or what is called the fairy voice when Homer talks like that. Um, and it's just, just beautifully rendered when he slams the door and then comes back in to say he was being sarcastic. Um, and you see that a lot in seasons like around three, four, five, six, the, uh, extremely fluid poses um, sometimes that are done extra carefully by a different animator because they want to get it just right and have it be like funnier than usual because the act the uh, voice performance is so good all right so the plot of the episode um, Homer uh, disenchanted with the house because Lisa is having a slumber party uh, has to go to Moe's and take solace and there's nobody in there except him and one guy who's mad because the love tester doesn't work and um, to make matters worse Moe is out of beer and he's like completely at sea he doesn't know how to make a gin and tonic and homer teaches him how to make his drink called the flaming homer uh by mixing together everything in the bar that was left in the bottom of the bottles and adding some cough syrup and then setting it on fire and it turns out he learned how to do this when patty's cigarette once uh fell into his drink and set it on fire um so the drink is gross, it's like purple, uh, and until you set it on fire, it doesn't taste good. Mo says, it's not without its charm, which I love. Uh, 
And Mo immediately steals the idea. He uh, says to the disenchanted guy, this is a flaming Mo, not a flaming Homer. And from then on, everyone knows it as a flaming Mo. Uh, the management of a restaurant called Tipsy McStaggers, based on Bennigan's and TGI Fridays and stuff like that, uh, comes in and offers to buy the recipe. And Mo is like, hell no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so they go off and try to analyze the drink and see if they can make their own version, but they can't. Um, meanwhile, the bar gets wildly popular. Mo is rolling in dough. Aerosmith comes by. Uh, they invite Mo to sing Walk This Way with them because they get free pickled eggs. And, you know, all this crazy revelry happens. Miss Kerbopple hits on Homer and she's like tarted up in her tube top and stuff. Um, and that's where the cheers, all the cheers parody stuff happens. There is a an attractive blonde waitress supposed to be like Shelley Long uh, who comes along and has a relationship with Mo and they trade barbed witty remarks. Uh, the guy from Tipsy McStaggers finally comes back and offers Mo a million dollars because he can't figure out that the secret ingredient is cough syrup. But unfortunately, Homer is so jealous and so mad that Mo burned him that he goes mad after a very exciting hallucinogenic sequence, one of the first of that kind where, you know, like every person's face on the street looks like Mo when there are daisies that look like Mo. Um, he appears in the rafters of Mo's Phantom of the Opera style and in an insane way reveals that the secret ingredient is cough syrup just by, just at the moment when the guy from Tipsy McStaggers is, is going to give Mo a briefcase full of a million dollars, which Mo had decided to share with Homer. So... That sucks. And the episode ends abruptly uh, with every bar and deli and uh, sidewalk cart offering their version of Flaming Moe's and Mo once again not doing well in his business. And Homer goes in for his final Flaming Moe, which is actually a Flaming Homer. And they're friends again, very conveniently. Um, it's beautiful. It's as often is the case in this season. The animation doesn't have to be that beautiful, but it is. Like it is just the shadow and the color in it, as well as um, the acting poses and all the crowd shots and stuff. Um, it's just lovely. It's just brilliantly done, and. I, the Simpsons never was as good looking as this after season three, in my opinion. Um, little details like the drink being lit on fire are just done very meticulously. They actually used the same effect every time a drink is lit, but you see it, you know, close up and far away and, um, you know, with the same sound effect. And there's one moment where Mo takes a blowtorch to like a whole bar. Uh, full of a row of flaming Moe's 
and just the timing of that where it's like like all of them go one at a time it's just really cool uh i like the very beginning when lisa is having a slumber party and uh there's a house full of giggling girls who try to kiss bart and they give maggie a makeover and stuff that's like rarely seen in later shows and later seasons lisa is painted as having no friends so it is actually kind of it's kind of a nice normal sitcom family thing to see just in the beginning of an otherwise totally crazy episode the likes of which you've never seen before on tv Uh, and apparently Aerosmith were glad to do this. Very glad. Um, they, it took a little bit of cajoling. Um, and the pickled eggs line happened um, because at first in the script they were going to be offered free beer. Uh, and all of them were in rehab at this time. This was right before the album came out with crying and crazy and... Um, I think they were probably making that album at the time and a lot of the songs on that album kick had to do with re being in recovery uh so this was like a very good wholesome yet still cool and edgy way for aerosmith to re-enter uh people's consciousness and uh they did a great job it was really very very good uh guest spot and the flamboyance of Aerosmith fit the flamboyance of the show IMO the Shelley Long like waitress was originally uh, played by Catherine O'Hara they recorded her and they decided not to use her because there was something about her voice that was just not right I would love to hear those recordings but they were probably lost forever In Simpsons time. What a nice young man. Thank you for listening to Simpsons Time through the Debigulator this week. I'm Amanda Nazario, and uh, I will see you next time. These Simpsons Time snippets are taken from a longer radio show that I have been doing for the past almost six years now on Give the Drummer Radio from WFMU uh, called Nazario Scenario. And uh, if you have never heard it and if you're curious to hear music with Simpsons inserted into it rather than uh, only Simpsons related content, you can check it out. Uh, the playlists are all archived. I'm going to try that again. The playlists are all archived <laughs> starting uh, in April 2011. Uh, and you can access them by going to wfmu.org slash playlists slash an. 
and I hope you enjoy them. And I hope you enjoy next week's Simpsons Time Through the Debigulator, which is going to be next week. Have a good one. Bye.